With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we are, Florida LSU week. Man, does not uh, not have that big game feeling that we're used to here for Florida LSU. Uh, mostly, both teams this year uh, playing into that. Last year, of course, still Florida still had everything to play for. Upset happens. Um, no need to rehash that, but just kind of the trend of this game. Have to go back to two years ago, 2019, before before it had that. Uh, Last time I had that big game feeling for both schools, uh, it, it'll get there again, of course. Uh, LSU and Ed Orgeron, that's a ticking time bomb right now. That uh, That's not lasting much longer, win or lose, versus Florida. You talk to people around there close to that program, it's only a matter of time before uh, that goes that goes uh, away, the marriage between LSU and Ed Orgeron. So, you know, Florida puts it on LSU tomorrow. Did they make a move on Sunday? Did they wait to the end of the year? Who knows? A lot of Lane Kiffin smoke out there to LSU. I know that's, that came up this week, but, man, that's the stuff you're going to hear a whole lot of right now, of <laughs> just hot names that are going to LSU. Don't get me wrong now. They're going to have their pick. Um, I remember listening, asking around once I kind of heard it, that you know, USC had fired Clay Hilton. Uh, a lot of people were – bringing up big name after big name, big name. And they say, look, nothing is going to happen to USC until coaches and agents know what's going to happen at LSU. And so uh, that, that's going to be the, uh, the big story here. You'll have two big powers, LSU and USC probably fighting for head coaches there. And of course, right now it's being looked at as, LSU will have their first pick, and then maybe who doesn't go LSU will will settle, quote-unquote settle, for the USC job. So something to look forward to right there. If Florida puts it on LSU, do they hang on to Edo for any longer, much longer, or do they uh, go ahead and move on, go ahead and make the move? It's one storyline, one storyline to watch there. All right, let's get, uh, let's get started. Unique is in here. Long-time listener, Gage Breakdown. Hey, man. Hey, what's up, Dave? Oh, not much, man. Enjoying this Friday morning. Hey, man, I got one request. Mm-hmm. That, what was that? Was that Danny Etlin? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> can we get can we get one of those on the uh, in the red zone? <laughs> well, hey, hopefully, hopefully not in the red zone. Hopefully, LSU doesn't reach the red zone. Yeah, man. I, I haven't seen a. We haven't had a linebacker hit like that since. That's the yeah. last time I've seen that, man. It's yeah. Like, uh, 
I'd be nice, or 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 one, or one of the safeties come up and lay a hit like that. Uh, you know, uh, look, I even saw the uh, it was a it was a highlight going around this morning of Matt Elam with a big hit in 2012 uh, coming up from the safety position, and uh, I think LSU was running some kind of wide receiver reverse or or something like yeah. that, and then you know, he lays the wood to an LSU. Uh, offensive player as well, so yeah, uh, we we need some more of that. We need some more of the big big time hits of uh, of defense. You know, we, we we talk about lack of turnovers on defense, but you're right. You know, hits like that, game changing hits, and you know the hype up hits. There, there's not many of those it's, either. It's been a long time because <laughs> that that changed the game. There, we knew when that happened. We was like, okay, this <laughs> this is going out. Going this is going to the end right here. This is going to be a dog fight. Yeah, we have. That was a Sean Joseph's uh, announcement to Gator Nation there. I think he was a redshirt freshman or something. Yeah. I, 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 I think, yeah. The crazy part about it, I kind of remember the Florida fans. Like, we weren't so hype about those linebackers then, but I think no. we, would, we would die for it. I mean. <laughs> hey, but Sean, but Sean Joseph ended up being pretty good, too. Um, yeah. And, and he had that one down year, and then but he bounced back uh, and had a you know, pretty, pretty good ending to his Gator career there. And you're, and you're right. When comparing, we take that in a heartbeat right now. Yeah, we'll take that ASAP. I mean, I mean, we probably got it on paper better, looks better, but for us linebackers, yeah, and they're coming around. Um, I mean, luckily, luckily they identified the Jeremiah Moon thing in preseason camp because oh yeah, if they had, if yeah. They had never if they had never made that move and then Ventrell Miller goes down, we'd be we'd be hurting. Right yeah, now. we'll be uh, hurt. Yeah. But yeah, Diabate still versatile. Um, I still. Still probably too light for the position, but he's playing better than he did last year as he was learning the position. Uh, and then Tyron Hopper's been a, a, a welcome addition. Uh, hey, look, and maybe uh, I, I said it last week on here. I think I tweeted it the day before. Uh, we got our three linebackers on the field at the same time in the second half of the game last week. We had Moon, Diabate, and Hopper out there all and together Hopper. last week. Uh, yeah. And maybe, maybe we'll get some more of that coming up. How much do you think we uh... – I mean, because it's it's the game before Georgia. We got a bye week, but I mean, yep. I I can already tell we get up on him. I, with Dan Mullen's history, I just think he pulls back some. I just just the sake of Georgia. I mean, I don't see us getting away with this just because of that game. I mean, Dan said he doesn't do it, but I think we all know he does it. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, just, I, yeah, that goes into it. You know, I had the question yesterday for the Gators Breakdown Plus members in that chat, and then there was a you know question to ask about how much is Florida lean on the run game this game. And I was like, first of all, you have to because it's your identity. Second of all, LSU stinks at stopping the run. So yeah. it, it, it may look conservative. As I said, you know, when you run the ball, it's going to get labeled conservative in a way. But if that's your identity, if that's what you excel at, then that's what you do. Uh, but also mm-hmm. – with that, some of those deep throw shots should be there. I mean, if LSU is going to be focused on stopping the run, that's what Florida does. If it gets rolling, there's going to be plenty of time for play action passes down the down the field. Uh, so you know, you can still play aggressive within a run scheme, and that's what I'm looking for for Florida. But you're right, if Florida gets up big, and look, it may not even matter. If Florida gets up big, LSU just may throw in the towel. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just that that's the status of that program right now. Yeah, I know it kind of lingers. We all think of the um, the LSU last year. Uh, we weren't supposed to li- um, lose that, but I kind of feel mm-hmm. like this. This why I was I'm more not that this team is better. It's just we were so Tony and Pitts that 
when they weren't there, it was obvious. And I kind of yeah, feel yeah. like I kind of feel like that's what led into that. So it's kind of this well, team here. Yeah, you know what? What message do you send to your team in a way? You know, when you say, "Okay, well, Pitts, we'll, we'll hold you out. We don't need you." And then, and then, you know, the team probably takes on that mantra a little bit too, and then just took LSU for granted last year, and we saw the outcome. So I don't, I don't think that taking for granted will happen this year. But uh, as you said, you know, it has kind of just been Mullen's mo to. If they get up, we'll see. But I'm like you, stay aggressive. Go, feel feel good about going into the you know, bye week in the Georgia game. You know, get some get some uh, get some confidence going up into the bye week. All right, one more thing. What you think? I know we can kind of. I mean, it's 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 really it, it, it's it's still LSU. That's just still in mm-hmm. the back of my mind. Yeah, so it's like I'm not gonna sit here like we're gonna sit here and practice. But with no, the news coming out, they're they're still a talented team. They're dealing with a you know ton of injuries right now. But you know if they if they go out there and play their best game, you know it can be a game. It can be a game, right? So I mean, I just feel like we need to work on that pass because it isn't the guy. What's the guy from Georgia out next game? Wasn't that uh, the same guy that uh, went out last year? Uh, no, no, no. Just a that wasn't player. him. He, okay. he, trans- he transferred in from Clemson. Uh, this is his oh, okay. first year. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yep. All right. Yep. All right, Dave. All right, man. Thanks for hopping in. Yep. Yep. Tony Agley, bringing him in. What's up, Tony? Hopefully, I got. It says you're speaking, but I don't hear you. This is some kind of Twitter spaces issue here. I don't know. Sometimes you may have to mute your mic and mute it, unmute it, and see if that'll work. But I see you're in here. But yeah, Florida LSU. As I said, the the, the camaraderie around this game's not there, but still, still important game for Florida. And we, I mean, honestly, we just want to see this team play good, no matter who it is, no matter who's the opponent. We want to explore, see Florida go out there and play a complete game. And that just yeah, hasn't happened a whole lot. Uh, probably since, you know, last year's Georgia-Arkansas games. And, that, you know, the defense was bad. So, we know that. I'm just saying for putting it together for four quarters, you know, Florida was still just throwing the ball over the field and trying. And, you know, a lot of people will go back and point to last year's Georgia game. It's kind of inconsistent, too. The slow start, not really doing anything in the second half. Uh, but, you know, the – you know the effort was there for the four quarters, uh, the going back to the Georgia Arkansas stretch last year, and yeah, we were disappointed with the Kentucky Tennessee games last year, and it's kind of just maybe just bled over a bit into this season, uh, and seeing how the team reacts and plays for four quarters, focuses for four quarters. All right, let's bring Casey in here. Hopefully, Tony can get that figured out. All right, Casey, your mic's on mute right now, but you can unmute it and hop on in if you're ready. Okay, or not. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I threw up the stat this morning on Twitter. I mean, I knew knew the first quarter defense was pretty bad, uh, and I'm not breaking any news there. You guys all know that. Uh, but the stat here that I threw up this morning, 82nd in the country is as far to defense or first quarter scoring. Giving up 6.3 points in the first quarter this year. 82nd. 
in the country there. But then ranks third in the country in second quarter scoring against with 1.17 points given up in the second quarter. So we stress the fast start from defense all the time. And now numbers sitting there really proving it that, you know, Florida's got to get off the better starts on defense and the, uh, in the first quarter of games, uh, let me bring rich in here. What's up, rich? What's up, Dave? Good morning. Good morning, man. I got a question. I just got one today. Uh, you see us going to Emory versus Vanderbilt, opening up, throwing five 15-plus passes, or do you see us going back, lean on the run game, simple passes? Um, for LSU, I think you're definitely going to lean on the run game just because I'm telling you, their, their rush defense is terrible. Uh, they have struggled all season long in stopping the run especially last week versus Kentucky. I mean, they're coming off their worst performance. They, they, they were not great at stopping the run before. Uh, and then you play a team like Kentucky. You know, of course, they're going to, and then they run for over 300 yards. So uh, I think you start with the run early, see what's there, uh, see if you can get it going. And it, to me, it opens up the passing game. I'd I, I love to see him mix this game. I think Emory still needs the confidence to do it. We still need to see him do it versus an opponent that can actually somewhat stop it as well. Uh, Vanderbilt wasn't going to stop him no matter what you were doing. Uh, but a lot of those same concepts, a lot of those same passes were there versus Kentucky as well. Embry just didn't pull the trigger. Uh, didn't just didn't let, didn't release the ball. There's guys open down the field. I think they saw that. I think they focused on it in the off week and or not off week, but in preparation for Vanderbilt. And all right, if they're there, you've got to pull the trigger. So you'd like to see some better placements, some better ball placement going down the field. But at least he was seeing it. At least he was letting it go and giving his. Ch- wide receivers a chance to make the play on it. They weren't overthrows, you know, five, ten yards over the wide receiver head. At least it gave him a chance to make a play on it. Now you just want to see the ball placement and, and, and better mechanics to get the ball to the receiver, hopefully in stride, so the receiver doesn't have to slow down a, a, whole, a whole lot like they were versus Vanderbilt. Uh, but uh, I, 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 I want to see it one more time before I'm going to ready to you know, be fully buy-in saying, all right, it's going to be part of Emory's arsenal now of this game. Uh, still think, you know, I, there, there's a ceiling for Emory Jones. I don't think he's reached it yet, but how far is he away from it? And part of it is going downfield and going downfield with that with more accuracy. But in the to, to start with, I think Florida, just because of who they're playing and what LSU struggles with right now, I think the run game is going to be a huge focus leading to some big passes. I don't think I don't think number of passes is something we should really look for. I don't think the numbers will be too high. But when he does drop back to throw it, is the is the big play there, especially if the run game's working. All right, one more thing. You think with this rotation, running backs getting five or six carries per game, you think that's hurting us recruiting? Uh, I think it's a good point. Um, honestly, uh, I think it. It, yeah, I. I don't know. I haven't necessarily. Times to, you know, Knox has offered running backs that the fans have wanted. That running back and Mullen kind of override and say, eh, well, let's, let's, let's go elsewhere. Um, 
So, but you end up getting Bowman anyway in the end. So, you know, we'll see how that ends up playing out for his career. Uh, but, I mean, I can't – if I'm a running back, I can't sit here and say I'm not looking for it. Now, what the staff will sell is, okay, well, we're saving you. You won't get as many carries. You won't get uh, hit over and over again. We're going to lengthen your career by playing this way and playing this, you know, playing this style of offense. And whenever you do go to the NFL, you you don't have a lot of mileage on you, and hopefully your career lasts longer. But also, you're not getting a chance to showcase your skills a whole lot uh, with, with these limited carries. So I can see it definitely affecting uh, the, the running back position uh, for, for here for the Gators. I mean, I mean, you, you you look at it and you sit here and say. You know, Mullen, as an offensive coordinator at Florida, as a head coach at Mississippi State, has probably never had this kind of depth at running back with this level of talent. Um, so that he still has that in his in in his arsenal right now. Uh, but is that is that going to be long term there? And you're still counting on Damian Pierce, who you brought in your first recruiting class. You're still counting on Malik Davis, who was here when you got here. Uh, so, you know, what happened? We, we all, I think we all like what we see from Naquan right so far. And then you hope Lingard and Bowman kind of continue that. I think as long as you – if they're going to play this run-focused offense, I think you, as long as you still see the production you're seeing this year, I think that can go a long way and, and get some of the running backs. But, you know, you look at the quarterbacks Dan Mullins recruited so far and you got uh, Evers committed and you got Del Rio and, and, um, and Kitna in the wings, you know, waiting after AR and Emory. And you're wondering if you go back to more of that 40, 40 attempts a game uh, passing, and what did that do for the running game as well? So I think uh, running back recruiting from here on out is going to be an interesting sale from Dan Mullen just because of the kind of quarterbacks and the rotation that you're talking about in this run-focused offense. All right. Davey, Dave Jones. Nick is connecting here. Not Dave, I think you're in here now. I have to unmute your mic. If you're ready. Well, speaking of recruiting, big news for the Gators this week, of course. Within the last week, pretty much. Gibson this week, big, big pickup. We can talk a little bit of recruiting, I guess. I don't talk too much recruiting during the season. Yeah, just we wait all year for these twelve weeks and get a commit. Of course, I think you have to talk about it. Usually, bring it up in the bye week too, uh, just for some more uh, more conversation there. But within the last week, can't really overlook Gibson and Lyons being committed to the Gators. One position a need: defensive tackle. One wide receiver, just kind of continuing the trend of some talent coming in there. Has a chance to get even better <laughs> there at wide receiver. If you hit on, of course. Got some big targets out there. We know we're know we're leaning there. We got to hope that. But Gibson, a big bodied, speedy, controls his body well. If you watch a lot of the highlights, you have, you have to think uh, this staff really likes what he's bringing uh, to the table there for um, that type of production that we've seen from these wide receivers lately. And um. Being able to continue that trend, I mean, it has to be an easy sell, I would think. It has to be an easy sell for Billy Gonzalez. And you know, credit to this staff, too. I think we all saw the the interview that came out, what was it, early August, early to mid-August with Gibson and um, basically 
in a way, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here. Hey, uh, you know, Georgia's staff's a little friendlier than this staff is. Uh, okay. A couple months later, committing to the Gators. So credit to, well, credit to Dan Mullen for mending whatever fence needed to be mended and Billy Gonzalez for you know, being able to sell the production of these Gator receivers, Dan Mullen being able to sell the production uh, of these Gator receivers in, in recent years. And I think that goes a long way in getting uh, a player like Gibson. But, I mean, who Florida has committed now, or uh, C.J. Smith, Isaiah Bond, you can add Evan Stewart to that. I mean, you're going to sit here and peg and look back at this wide receiver class, hoping they live up to the billing. Because if they do, I mean, Florida's got a, a wide receiver, could, could have a wide receiver core if you add Stewart to the mix that um, teams that have to worry about for, for, for a few seasons. I mean, these are guys, you know, I, I say that. I, I, I say that saying I hope that's what happens. But if we look at it, Dan Mullen, these, we talk about the leaning on the veterans a whole lot. You know, true freshmen don't come in and make a huge impact so far under Dan Mullen. And especially, you know, you've had Xavier Henderson, you've had Jacob Copeland, uh, two highly rated receivers. They've made their contributions as true freshmen, but you still haven't had that breakout star. You haven't had the, the the true freshman that lights the world on fire. And you get a receiver class like this, especially with Evan Stewart. I mean, come on, he's the biggest target out there remaining for Florida, third-ranked player in the country on 24-7, number-one-ranked number one wide receiver. You had him to this mix uh, with what you already got in Jaden Gibson, and you're hoping that you get some true freshmen that can kind of contribute uh, right away there, for, for uh, especially at the receiver position. So uh, we talked about that. <laughs> Rich brought up the running back rotation, too, hurting recruiting. Um, luckily, you know, Florida leaning on a whole lot of veterans at that wide receiver position is not necessarily, it doesn't look like it's necessarily hurting that position uh, all too much either uh, as, far as, as far as on the recruiting trail. All right, let's bring MJ in here. I'm hoping space is working, is working right. I know some people have gotten here and haven't been able to speak. So, MJ, I hope it's uh, working for you. Testing, testing, one, two. There we go. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, to kind of piggyback off that with receivers and kind of going hard in the paint there, um, one question I kind of have to pie in the sky, what's it going to take for Dan Mullen just to let EJ or AR just cut it loose through the air? Uh, well, if you ask Dan Mullen, it's going to be however the defense lines up. <laughs> so um, we'll see what that means. And I kind of bring it up to the point, too, uh, this week and or – this game and brought it up already playing LSU. I, you don't overthink it. And I, I know we want to be aggressive. I know we want to see the ball throw down the field. Uh, I, it needs to be within the scheme of the the offense this week. I mean, now don't get me wrong. LSU could, could come out and completely try and sell out on the run. And there's, there'll be plenty of one-on-one -on -one opportunities. And I won't necessarily be surprised if Florida comes out and throws it more than I think they will versus LSU, just because LSU knows what Florida's identity is. They know they've struggled in the run game. They may try and do everything they possibly can to let to to let Florida not get the run game going. So, I mean, you could look at tomorrow's game with a lot um, a lot more pass attempts than we think, just because LSU may just sell out stopping the run. So that might be something to look for early uh, is how LSU lines up. And if that's the case, you know, if Dan Mullen is, is truthful uh, in a whole lot, because you can't tell me they didn't focus on it. You know, he sits there and, and will tell us in the media that, oh, it's all dependent on what the uh, defense lines up, if we're going to take shots downfield or not. Eh, okay. Well, I, I think it was clearly a focus uh, 
between Kentucky and Vanderbilt weeks that you, know, you wanted to work on a downfield passing game. This wasn't completely based on uh, what the defense and the defensive looks you were getting uh, and going down the field. So, you know, credit uh, Emory for, for finding the, the, the right guy down the field. Uh, but um, I, I'd be cautious looking for it versus LSU just because I think you should be able to line up and, and run the ball on them pretty well. Um, Georgia, that may be – that might be – probably will have to be part of the game plan. Um, you know, we'll see, especially because of uh, their injuries they're facing now in the defensive backfield. There may be an opportunity, but you got to have time to throw and you got to – you got to have a quarterback that's, that's able to take advantage uh, and not get worked up by a ferocious front seven that Georgia's going to bring to the table. So a lot of a lot, a lot of it's going to be um, the, the confidence and he has that he has with Emory and AR. I don't necessarily think you have to see it versus LSU, but if you want to win versus Georgia, I don't think you're going to be able to line up with this Gator run identity right now and be able to run the ball. You're going to have to make some big throws. Uh, and then, yeah, you've always got a bye week to help get, get um, prepared for Georgia in that, in that regard. Gotcha. And um, kind of going back to the point with like these standout freshmen, these, you know, standout breakout players, I feel like that's so infrequent. <laughs> a lot of the time mm-hmm. they get made like a big game or something like that, one or two, but it's not like the end all. I feel like people focus on that too hard. Um, college football is a big sport. And I don't know. I just, I don't see the point in everyone hoping to find that next Trevor Lawrence or, you know, Maurice Claret, Tim Tebow, whatever, because they just come yeah, around so yeah, frequently. I'm, I'm not necessarily thinking of that level, you know, but, you know, like, what, George Pickens at Georgia uh, a couple years ago. You knew he was going to be a good receiver. He steps in as a freshman, and he's kind of an instant impact. You know, I'm not necessarily saying huge, like, Heisman conversation freshman, but instant impact guys. That, that, that can come in and, you know, demand uh, production. That's that, that, that's just what I'm kind of looking for. And I'm not necessarily sure um, Dan Mullen relies on freshmen to do that. You know, I think uh, a guy would have to come in and just completely blow him away uh, for him to, you know, put a freshman out there in that regard. Yeah, I'm hoping to maybe see Henderson and uh, Frazier's on the field at the same time. I think that would be huge. Yeah, I mean – Credit to Frazier, man. I mean, what a, I mean, kind of just come out of nowhere in that Kentucky game. He hasn't really done much uh, uh, up to that point of the season and gets his first touchdown versus Kentucky a couple of weeks ago. He gets another touchdown last week uh, there. So kind of just out of nowhere, Frazier's uh, coming in and uh, getting some stats there for the Gators. Gotcha. I came in kind of late. So how do you feel about Saturday, Dave? Let me have my last question. Yeah, I feel pretty good. Um Everybody can go listen to the uh, LSU preview episode that's out there if you haven't done so yet. But I mean, I won't. Uh, I, I I won't. Uh, you know, keep keep <laughs> keep too much. I got I got just a two touchdown win for Florida. Thirty four twenty, I think, was my score. Um, so I think uh, I think Florida gets up, just kind of stays in control there. You won't necessarily feel great about the outcome the whole time, as far as all right, we got this wrapped up. Uh, but I think you'll feel comfortable saying okay. We're, we got a lead. Don't necessarily see LSU coming back, but it'll hang back in the back of your mind just a little bit until uh, that clock reads, clock reads zeros. Uh, but um, I think uh, just the status of LSU right now, everything they're dealing with, uh, what they're struggling in is what Florida does so well uh, running the ball. So I, I, I do think it, I think it plays out like we pretty much think it should play out with Florida's run game, honestly, just taking over. Sweet. All right. Thanks, Dave.
Thanks, man. JUTV, you're in here. Uh, good morning, Dave. How's everything? I'm doing well, man. Friday, uh, on Friday, so ready, ready, ready <laughs> happy, to call this a week. Happy to hear that, man. Uh, just two quick points. Um, I heard you talking about freshmen and everything. Um, when do you think we will see another Antonio Callaway type performance? I know that wasn't Dan's um recruiting class. Right. But I, I heard you guys speaking on freshmen, and uh, that's a kind of splash I think we kind of need right now. Um, it will send a, a message, um, whatever position. But I'm, I'm, I'm mainly focused on that receiver class, an Antonio Callaway type of player. And my last thing, um, Bowman, I, I see him projecting as like a Chris Rainey type of player. Um, mm -hmm. Big play, splashing. Um, I think he needs to get on the field. I'm not a college football coach. Uh Got a lot of accolades myself, but um, yeah. that, that that's that's what I'm seeing. I know Dan Mullen's an amazing play caller, schemer, and everything. Um, when do you think we'll see another, you know, Antonio Callaway freshman? And do you think Bowman projects that type of uh, player? You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Callaway because you know MJ had brought up you know your your, your Trevor Lawrence is your Maurice Corrette Scott, but yeah, I'm looking for somebody like Antonio Callaway, you know, somebody who comes in right away um, and you just you can tell he's different. And I'm not necessarily saying you know Heisman as a freshman, but somebody who can come in that defenses already have to worry about, defenses already have to scheme scheme about. Uh, you and you know what Antonio Callaway is exactly what I'm talking about. A freshman that could come in exactly like that uh, and be a playmaker instantly, instant impact. You can put him on the field. He's making big plays in big games. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So is that a Jaden Gibson uh, there? If you're looking at your your current commits, you know who you who you have in the class already. You know Zaya Bond, uh, you know maybe uh, you know the athlete there, Ch Chandler Smith, C.J. Smith. Speedster, speedy guy there. You know, that's the class you're looking at right now uh, for the for, for the Gators at wide receiver. So that's what you're looking forward to. Evan Stewart, if you get him in the mix, that's something. You know, yeah, yeah, I probably would have to think you're the third overall player. Mississippi State ain't getting that type of player. So he would, if Florida ends up getting him, I'm pretty sure I would imagine. You know, just without doing actual research here, would be Dan Mullen's highest recruit ever. Uh, sign recruit ever. So you hope somebody like that could come in and make an instant impact. So, you know, trending right now, I picked Florida for Evan Stewart. We'll see what happens with Texas. Texas is uh, kind of coming on a bit. We'll see how it ends up there uh, with Stewart. I still feel pretty good about Florida at the moment, but that's, that's somebody you would be looking at. That's somebody you would pinpoint instant impact right away. Uh, given the credentials coming in. Uh, and we've all seen the highlights. We've all seen going back to Friday Night Lights as well. Granted, I know it's against other high school recruits, so you see how that translates on the field when he gets here. But go up and get it, physical style of receiver. That's the type of player you're looking for to come in and make an instant impact. So hopefully Florida can come in, um, you know, in, in the end uh, and, and scoop up that type of wide receiver. As far as Bowman goes, yeah, I mean – we, we talked about the running back rotation a bit. It's hard to argue what Florida has done so far with Pierce, Davis, and Wright. Each guy has had their games this year. Each guy's had their special plays this year. Uh, you're still looking for that home run type. And I still think you know, more than if, – if what we've always heard is true about Bowman, you know, that's 
what he brings to the table. Um, I still think there's somewhat of an advantage right now because those guys don't – I'll throw Lingard into the mix too, but Bowman specifically. You, know, you still have somewhat of an advantage right now as far as what those guys have on film. I don't think you can sit here and say right now there's a lot out there to go by. You know, and Dan Mullen has and it, but it's also hard to argue with the way he approaches it because of the pass catching ability of running backs and the ability to help pass block. And I we've seen at least I know Davis and Pierce at least so far this year make some big blocks and some big time games from the running back position. And I don't think Damon's going to overlook that. Uh, Florida hasn't given up a ton of sacks this year. Uh, what, three or four all year, I believe. And then you – I'm telling you, you, go back and watch the Alabama game, and Alabama's probably getting a sack if Malik Davis doesn't pick up a block. Uh, and so you, you, you see that might be why a young player like Bowman's not on the field. And I'm not saying that's not why he's on the field. But if you know you got a veteran that can just do it all, you're not going to take him off the field, especially in a game like that, um, and try and you know put your quarterback in a bad position because of a young player out there. But I do think there's the advantage right now, those guys not being out there enough to where you can still – the teams aren't going to know if right now what's on film out there if DeMarcus Bowman can't really pass block or if DeMarcus Bowman can't really catch out of the backfield. And I know we've seen up and down from that this year so far, just a limited time that he's been on the field so far this year. So I still think there's that element of quote-unquote surprise that a player like DeMarcus Bowman brings you right now. And can you find a way to manufacture a big play with if, – if, you know, if his big playability is – Lives, lives up to the credentials that he has. You know, is that big play there if you can draw it up? You know, is you're playing Georgia. Georgia hasn't seen a lot of Demarcus Bowman. He lines up beside Emory. You have a speed option with with Bowman, or he flares out of the backfield, and it's an easy it's an easy catch for him. He gets his eyes upfield, and he makes a big play happen by getting on the outside. You know, those are I think little things that you might can insert into a game plan with that type of player before all the film gets that on him that maybe he struggles in pass blocking. And when he's out there, you know, this is what he's like, this is what he's going to do because he can't pass block. You know, he's only going to be a pass catcher. Or he's only going to run the ball. So those, to me, right now, you still have that element of surprise somewhat just because there's not a lot of film out there for him and, and, and Lingard. So can you take advantage before that gets out there? And that's uh, that's just me throwing a, a scenario out there. I have no idea if that's how this coaching staff thinks in that regard. When you look at these, when when you look at Lingard and Bowman, and maybe why they're on the field and why they're not on the field, that's just a scenario I'm throwing out. But you know, I, I do think there's some validation in that, just because there's not a whole lot of film out there on those guys, and maybe you could take advantage uh, with some plays before the tendencies get out there. Thank you, Dave. Uh, I really appreciate that answer. Just a quick thing. Uh, it's not a true question. Do you think we have the speed to kill? I've, I'm, I've been a lifelong Gator fan. I'm from New York, and I know uh, our heydays have been built on speed, or at least a few speedsters. Do you think we have the speed to kill right now? Um, this is a this is a fast team. And I, I don't probably what, what you're kind of going back to is the you know the raining and the dips and. Harvin and no, you're not that. You're not that speed. You're not that fast. Uh, but this is a this is a fast team, and I still think they're focusing on it a bit, um, just because of this recruiting class. You know, the Humphrey of the world, Isaiah Bond, uh, Chandler Smith. I mean, those are especially Smith and um, 
uh, Humphrey, Bond. I mean, those guys have just been known for their speed. Uh, you go and look at the kind of the recruiting profile and what they bring to the uh, what they bring to the table. And yes, uh, yeah, you're starting to see that become a focus a, a, a bit. So not as fast as you know. Don't get me wrong; it's probably one of the fastest teams ever. So don't, you know, you don't want to compare to that. But if you're of using course. that as the yeah, if you're using that as a barometer, definitely below that. But I do think they're at least as far as just pure speed goes. Uh, I, I think they're 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 trying to look at getting back there with some of the guys in this upcoming recruiting class. Appreciate it, Dave. Thanks, man. All right, North Florida's finest here. That is I got one question, Dave. Um, yeah. I guess more of like a pulse check. How much has Dan Mullen's demeanor changed since that Kentucky loss? Because, I mean, obviously he was pretty miffed at halftime against Vanderbilt. So I was curious if practices have changed in any kind of way or just that attitude in general going forward. Uh, I have heard he's been pretty intense in practice um, this week. Uh, and so – you hope the team feeds off of that. Um, now, you hope the team doesn't need that kick all the time. Uh, you know, you go back, and uh, I mentioned Rashad Torrance in his post-game interview uh, versus Vanderbilt, and he basically said, yeah, coach come in and uh, gave it to us. You know, pretty bad. I'm paraphrasing here. And, you know, that, that kind of woke us up, and uh, we, we kind of took that to heart. We were offended a little bit. And I'm just like, well, should, it, should, should it have taken that? I mean – why did Mullen, after a loss to Kentucky, don't get me wrong, I know it's Vanderbilt, I know it's a noon game, and it's hard to get up, but coming off of a loss, you should have been steaming uh, and not necessarily having to have the head coach get on you. Now, credit for Dan Mullen for doing so, and you know you saw the difference early in the second half, but you know, should should he have had to? And that's I think that's where the question comes in. And don't get me wrong, you know, Dan Mullen has some truth here, you know, the team did come out the first few drives on offense and defense and completely shut Vanderbilt down. All right, then you lose a little bit of focus, blah, 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 get the halftime. He lights them up, and in the first few drives again, and in the second half, you know, Florida shuts out Vanderbilt, much like you would have expected to see or wanted to see the entire game. So, but going from asking around and stuff, the intensity from the head coach has been there. Uh, you hope the team responds uh, in, in, in that in, in looking at that. We'll see. Yep. All right. No, Florida, you in here now? Nope. Okay. That's Harrison Jones coming in here. What's up, Harrison? Mike How's it going, Dave? There we go. Good, man. Um, just a question about Torrance while we're on the subject. It looked mm -hmm. like a flip switched or something in the Vandy game. He's coming downhill, hitting people, like what we saw in his re recruiting tape out of high school. Yeah. Um, you think it was just because it was Vandy, or you think he's starting to understand it a little more? No, I think there's some understanding going on there. Um, just because of – I think the the nature of it of 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 the plays that you mentioned as he he was coming downhill he was looking for contact he was making tackles, uh, just the way that pursuit was the aggression was I think that was just a mindset I'll say it doesn't matter uh, who you play there so now 
Uh, you'll see if teams can you know, scheme a way to get an offensive lineman to the second, third level and, and maybe key him, key, key on him just a bit. Uh, but no, I mean, I think uh, it, it was it was nice to see that. I mean, trading too, uh, playing a little more aggressive in the passing game. You want to see that versus some, some some of the better opponents too. You and you're right. You don't want to look back and say, oh, it was just because it was Vanderbilt. Uh, you want to see that aggression from the secondary, you know, especially the safety position, because we haven't seen that a whole lot from, from, from those guys. You, yeah. You've seen you've seen offenses dictate what those guys do instead of those guys dictating what the offense does, uh, and you, that's what you want to see from. A, to me, that's what you want to see from a defense to begin with. Uh, so hopefully, you, know, you get Elam back this week. That is strengthened. That's hopefully you get Elam back this week. I know we've kind of just been strung along a little bit uh, with, with that one. Uh, from all I've heard, he's going to play. Uh, versus LSU, so you get him back this week. Um, you got a second quarterback spot with some depth now with with Marshall and Helm. Uh, I, 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 I'm eager to see getting getting Elam back. How that affects the whole secondary? Because uh, I mean, of course, it's only going to help the secondary. I want to see how much it actually helps the secondary. Yeah, no, I hear it because I think that's the only thing we've been missing really in the secondary is the aggression that we've seen in previous years. Yeah, I mean, so now you have a lot of trust there getting Elam back. You have some trust there with, with, with Marshall and Helm getting a lot more reps when Elam's out. And now coming off of a performance that you've seen from from, from trading and, and Rashad Torrance recently, uh, you, hopefully this hopefully that secondary starts playing with a little more confidence than, than, than we've seen in recent years. All right, man. That's I mean, all and, I have. And, and, I and going to that, yeah, I mean, shout out to the new coaches too uh, back there with, with, with Montanon McGriff. I mean, communication's definitely better back there. I think oh, yeah, you can continue the the play that we've seen recently. I think yeah, you 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 give those new coaches some kudos too. Yes, sir. Appreciate your answer, man. Thanks, man. All right, North Florida, we'll get you back in here. All right, you're in here now. All right. Thank you, Mike. You, your mic's on mute. Do that. Get you here. There hey, you go. Dave, can, you, can you hear me? Um, All good. Uh, I was going to something else about Bowman not playing is, you know, with Malik Davis playing good, and I think Pierce and Wright are both going to play in the NFL. So, I mean, it's hard to get snaps to somebody that young when you got players in front of him that good. And also, another thing about the true freshman making an impact like which is something I think about Mullen is I wonder if he's reluctant to play the younger guys because he's always really had lower recruits that had to develop before they made an impact because I mean you talk about Claret and Trevor Lawrence and even Tua I mean they were the elite of the elite recruits that were known to be so I mean you know um uh, the the one that he brought up earlier, the receiver for Florida, uh, he was kind of an exception to the rule of three-star making an impact or even, uh, you know, this kind of an exception as opposed to the elite elite recruits yeah. that come in and do that. So That's a good point. You know, Dan Mullen's history at Mississippi State, yeah, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't going to get many true freshmen that could come in and play right away. Uh, and, you know, we, we – Thought you know one of the biggest differences for him coming from Mississippi State to, to Florida is you got that logo on your chest and you can go recruit better. And of course he'd recruit better than he did at Mississippi State. That that, that that's just going to be by default. 
uh, at, at Florida. And of course we want to pick it, pick it up a bit more and get some of the elites out there. But um, that's a, that's a good point of him just being so used to that and coaching at Mississippi state and having to develop guys. Uh, and then look, you got to develop everywhere. And, you know, we've always said uh, the, the development of four and five stars is what wins your national championships. You know, there, of course development matters, but develop on a, on a certain talent level. Uh, that's, that, that's where you start competing for championships. Uh, and, you know, it's a good point that uh, he hasn't had that many uh, to, to, to start with, with a base talent level um and you know it has gotten better and like i said you've had xavier henderson you have your dick copeland's of the world highly ranked uh receivers those guys have contributed as freshmen but you're still just looking for that instant impact big player uh that can come in and i'm not saying percy harvin i mean of course we're looking for that but that's you know trying to get that you know you're setting yourself up you're for disappointment every single year if that's what you're looking for but uh you know and, and uh i mean maybe antonio callaway to a point too just because of his impact that way but that's you're looking for something like that and yeah, that, that, that's all i'm trying to say there thank you dave Thanks, man. But yeah good point there that uh you know mullen hasn't necessarily uh had that type of player uh, and not used to it, used to developing those guys, and we got to be developed no matter what star level you come in as. Uh, and yeah, hopefully it comes around. But you know, kind of on the opposite spectrum of that, somebody like Rick Wells. I mean, somebody who's been around the program for forever. Um, what 2018 uh, recruit or 2017 recruit uh, around the program, uh, and credit to him too, sticking around, getting developed, and making an impact uh, for Florida this year. You know, second on the team. Tied with Justin Shorter, I believe. Okay, and Trip Whittemore. I actually had the stats pulled up here. Wells is you know tied with Whittemore and Shorter, thirteen catches on the year, uh, averaging more yards per reception than those guys, almost eleven and a half yards per receptions. He's a first down machine. Uh, two more last week. I think if I, I'm trying to remember the stat off the top of my head, I had put it in a, a Neil Blackman Saturday Down South article. Uh, what we're looking at, you know, playmakers for this Florida offense. And he had asked, uh, you know, if anybody like a Freddie Swain. I'm like, no, not necessarily really like a Freddie Swain, but somebody who's reliable. And I put Rick Wells in that category because almost every time he catches the ball, it's the first down. Uh, and, you know, look, a lot of receivers you can say that about. But somebody, I'm pointing him out just because, you know, uh, re- reliable. He's catching the ball. Uh, oh, actually, the whole wide – there's not a – you know what? That's another thing I haven't necessarily really thought of. just came in my head. These receivers as well for catching the ball. We have not had a whole lot of drops this year uh, from this far to get a receiver court. I know that was a worry about Jacob Copeland. I know that was a worry about Justin Shorter. But that has not been an issue uh, for these Gator wide receivers this year. So one more kudos there to Billy Gonzalez, and one more one more kudos for these guys putting in the work this year uh, and catching the ball stolen at them. And look. The throws aren't always on target. And the guys are having to make some good catches, having to use some, some body control, having to adjust to the ball uh, and, and go up and get it or, you know, and, or, or slow down and get it, uh, as, as we saw last week. So credit to, uh, to, to these wide receivers for being able to, to, to adjust and um, be, be able to be counted on when the ball is thrown their way. But, yeah, uh, going back to Rick Wells, I think all but three of his catches have resulted in a first down. I'm I, I, it's something close to that, if I if I can remember the stat off the top of my head, right? So, I mean, credit to him. Uh, as I said, we're sitting here talking about freshmen and instant impact freshmen, but the other end of the spectrum, somebody like Rick Wells, who's put in his time, 
could have easily left and don't get me wrong, I don't know where he could have gone. He could have, you know, went down to lower level FBS school and probably been a contributor at any point or any, you know, something like that. But great to him sticking it out from right up the road in Jacksonville and now being being able to to make an impact on this game receiver court this year. So good to see. Good to see. Good story there uh, for Rick Wells. So, all right. That will do it right here for this Gators Breakdown Twitter Spaces chat ahead of Florida LSU noon game. Get up early on Saturday. Do what you got to do. Get ready for the game. Order some Four Rivers if you don't want to cook. $5 off orders to $25 or more. Take advantage of that. It's a good barbecue there. All right, everybody. That will do it. Thanks for hopping in here one more time. Thanks for the conversation. And uh, if you're a Gators Breakdown Plus member, we'll be I'll be live on the Discord uh, Discord chat, giving a post game of Florida LSU, uh, and then of course on Sunday we'll get the Florida LSU game review on Gators Breakdown. 